values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, a big congratulations to Michael Weidman from Peoria. He is a winner of $100 in our 100 Days of Giving as we celebrate our walk up to 100 years here in the Valley. And we want to thank the Valley for embracing us for 100 years at KTAR News. We are giving away $100 each gift day to a listener, and they get to choose a charity, and we will give another $100 to the charity of their choice. He gave his to the Community Church of Hope. That was his charity of choice. You could choose one as well. Just text the number 100 to 411-923. That's 100 to 411-923, and you can take part. All right, two-year Treasury yields top 10-year rate, a yield curve inversion that could signal a recession. People are beginning to talk recession. Now, let's talk how the good and the bad is mixed. Because there is a lot of good, and I want to give credit, and I want to make sure I'm being fair. All of those things are true, but I want to have a realistic conversation. We gained a bunch of jobs uh, when people were concerned about a slowdown. We know spending slowed down, but businesses are still hiring. So we are still seeing people making more money and people going to work, and we know that unemployment remains incredibly low. That's all good news. But inflation is outpacing wages, Gas prices and food prices are continuing to rise. Now, gas prices may wane a little bit with what the president's doing, but food prices are continuing to grow. More than a quarter of consumers can't afford their buy now, pay later uh, stuff. We used to call that, I guess, layaway when I was a kid. But uh, they're not able to afford it, according to a lot of the major companies that finance those things. Um, States are exploring big benefit cuts in order to spur people to take jobs, while L.A. County is going to pay people with guarantee. They're looking at the possibility of guaranteed incomes, which is something that I've talked about. Here's something that may help. The U.S. is to make 35,000 more H-2B visas available for seasonal workers. I have talked about this as a form of solution for our immigration problem, or at least part of it here. And I don't know where everybody stands on it, but, but hear me out on this, especially for Arizona. In the construction world where I came from, um, we were building over 60,000 homes a year about 2007, and then the market crashed. But we were building over 60,000 homes a year then. The demand for housing now has only grown in Maricopa County, but in the state of Arizona as a whole, and we are building about half of that. So we are not meeting the demand that is there, and what it's doing is is pricing people out of the market – And it is costing other people that are renting their homes. What if there was a guest worker program, the way it could solve problems? Because we know it's not just people coming from Mexico. There are Central American countries and other countries as well. If people want to come here and take jobs in construction or in these seasonal jobs, whether it's in the service industry, the hotel and resort industry, whatever it is, if people want to come to America – And they're crossing the border. Let's talk. Let's now deal with the reality of what's happening at the border. Are there people that are coming here for noble reasons, although they're doing it illegally? The answer is absolutely they are. And so those are the least um, dangerous of the people that are coming across the border illegally. The most dangerous crossers are the criminals, are the people that would do us harm or commit act crimes here. They're bringing in drugs. They're bringing in other things. If we were able to take a segment, a big segment of the people that are coming illegally, get them visas, not once they're here, by the way. I'm not talking about after they're on this side of the border. If we could get them visas in their own country, and they could earn their way here to a green card or citizenship down the road, 
what that would do was free up the people at the border. They would know now that if you want to come here and work, there's a way for you to do it in a legal way. So if you're crossing the border, you're a criminal or you're just completely flouting our system. Right now, the American workforce is at just about max capacity. And if we're going to continue to incentivize people to not work, they won't. But why wouldn't we help our border people, the people that work on the border, ease their pain a little bit by having a visa system in place where people could come and work and think about the economies. The other thing that this administration has talked about is easing and helping the economies of these countries so people don't want to leave. Instead of us taking billions in tax dollars and giving them to Central American countries, why don't we then, if their people are coming to work in the U.S., allow them to come to the U.S. to work legally and they can send money home? They can ease their own economic pain. They're going to pay taxes here. They're not going to be involved in taking public money for anything. They're not going to get public assistance. They also will be uh, watched in this sense. If you break the law, you could have your visa suspended or revoked depending on the severity of the law you break. You'd be able to come and go back across the border as you need to. You would All of those things would be available to you. You'd have to renew it. All of these things are possible. And it's not even being discussed. It would solve so many problems at once. This is, in my opinion, what leadership does. What leadership does is see the problems and address them in a way that's apolitical. You understand there's going to be some on the right where it's only about border security, and there's going to be some on the left, and it's going to be all about allowing people to come here. But that's kind of the extreme. There is a place in the middle where I agree wholeheartedly that it has to start with border security because no new rules or laws we make matter if we don't have control of our border. We know that Title 42 is going to expire on May 22nd of this year or 23rd of this year, May 23rd, which means what we've been set up for by the administration and others, this mass border crossing is going to happen. So we may see border crossings actually go down between now and May 23rd. They'll wait. Why would they come now? If they know that that May 23rd or May 24th, they can cross the border and stand in line and get a, a court date that's going to happen two to five years down the road. When it comes to our economy, we can see the prices of things are going through the roof. And here in Arizona, in the valley and the rest of the state, not just the valley, housing, the housing crunch is part is the biggest part of why we've exceeded the inflation in other parts of the country. And if we are not going to work on this, now, obviously, this isn't a state thing to fix. It's got to be the federal government that works on it. But it's a solution that I think uh, Senator Cinema and Senator Kelly could be working on where we could have a program that brings the workers we need to Arizona to build the homes that we need in Arizona and fill the jobs we need in Arizona. It would help the state tax coffers. It would help the federal tax coffers. It certainly would ease the problems at our border to some degree. And it's something that should be debated, and it it is a walk in the direction of a real solution, as opposed to what we've been doing, because what we've been doing is absolutely nothing, and these policies are making it worse. We'll see. We'll see which way it goes. The state of Arizona is sending uh, surplus military equipment to Ukraine. So there is a big Arizona or at least an Arizona influence in Ukraine. We're going to give you some details on this and an update on what's happening in Ukraine in just a couple of moments. Thank you. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, a big thank you to everybody that jumped on board with Broomhead's Action Alliance. We have hundreds of people that have jumped on board with us, and what we're doing is community service work. If you want to join us in community service projects, we have another one coming up in May, I believe. So if you would like to join us at some of our community service events and get a chance to work in the community and donate your time, we'd love to have you join us. Just text the word ACTION to 411-923. We will then send you emails on upcoming um, possibilities and and work projects that we are doing. Then we'll even send you an Action Alliance t-shirt while supplies last. That's texting the word ACTION to 411-923. So the state of Arizona is sending some uh, surplus military equipment and uh, tactical equipment to Ukraine. Now, this has been donated from different counties and different cities and um, let, you know law enforcement organizations across the state. 874 bulletproof vests, 77 helmets, miscellaneous tactical clothing, footwear, pads, and shields. It's 17 pallets of equipment, and it's set to be delivered in the next two weeks through a Ukrainian relief group. So Arizona doing its part to support Ukraine, as you know the Ukrainian flag is flying at the state capitol in solidarity with the people of Ukraine. But it's also good to do actually do something and not just say something. And making a statement is, I think, important to do. But doing something, and I, I'm glad the state is jumping on board and doing this. Um, I want you to hear a couple of reports. This is ABC reports about Ukraine strikes in Russia now. Russia claims Ukrainian forces have attacked a fuel depot across the border inside Russia. If confirmed, it would be the first Ukrainian airstrike on Russian soil since the war started. So is this escalating in that direction? Does does uh, President Zelensky see an opportunity to inflict some damage in Russia, which would be an escalation? We know that peace talks are happening, but are we now going to see Ukraine saying, hey, listen, what's good for the goose? And if you're going to come after us, we're going to come after you. Um, a Pentagon spokesman talking about our military presence. What will this do? You know, we have a we have a heavy military presence in Europe. This is the Pentagon spokesman, John Kirby, talking about changes to where we will allocate our troops. No matter how this war ends, no matter when it ends, the security environment in Europe is going to be different. And we're going to have to respond to that. So what that looks like, we don't know. But we're going to stay open to having those kinds of conversations, too, about whether there needs to be more permanent, a larger permanent presence on the European continent. Well, we know that recruiting in in the U.S. military is down. It's harder to obtain people. Um, It's harder to retain people. And so they're going to need a big push in order for our military to be the size and scope that it needs to be. What I do think is interesting about this, about European, uh, you know, our presence in Europe. I've had the privilege of going um, with a, with an organization called Conservative Tours, and uh, I, I've gone with them on a couple of trips to Europe. And the first one we did, we were in Paris for four days, and then dur- on the anniversary of D-Day, I was actually in Nor- at Normandy. I was in Normandy, and I walked through the American Cemetery there. I walked on the beaches uh, of Normandy. I walked. Um, it was it was an incredible to be at Omaha Beach and Utah Beach and Point du Hoc and. Uh, we went to the Pegasus Bridge first. So all of these iconic sites from D-Day and from World War II. And you got to see the presence there of what had built up and allowing the Nazis to do what they did and be so entrenched in where they were. That this was a huge military undertaking against a military that had been really deeply entrenched in these areas. And that, I think, is what's trying to be avoided now and what people are looking at around the world. And the comparison is being made. Well, because it's a European nation, but also, you know, the incursion into Poland by by uh, Hitler and by his army 
how big of a deal was that at the time in the minds of the world and how it ended up? Now, I'm not directly I'm not making the direct comparison, but I'm saying military leaders and experts are ma- are looking at this. The U.S. presence was for peacekeeping purposes throughout Europe. And we've had military bases there for such a long time now. And they're now saying that because of security in the region, because of what's happening now, even when this ends is going to change, we maybe see more American forces will be stationed in those places. And I'm anxious to see what that's going to look like. Um, having been and and walked around and and saw the um, the expense that America um, gave in blood and treasure was a, was an amazing thing. If you've never been able to go, you should. It, it's something I think Americans even now this far uh, away from World War II, you need to see the immense sacrifice our country made. Um, it is really a, a humbling experience to stand on the beaches and look up and see the gun turrets in the distance and realize the hundreds of yards that troops had to run soaking wet uh, full packs. They had to run toward the gunfire to get to any shelter. They were standing in the wide open as they walked toward the beach and waded through that water off those Higgins boats. It, it, it is really an incredible thing if you've not ever seen it. it it is the epitome of self-sacrifice and, and really what they went through. And to see what the Army Rangers did in climbing Point to Hawk and, uh, and fighting off and getting rid of those anti, anti-ship anti guns that were there, it was a pretty incredible accomplishment in, in and of itself. Um, and so in the, in the desire to not see history repeat itself, there's got to be peace in the world and agreements that nations stand by. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know about the government of Ukraine any more than I do that about the government of Russia. But what I do know is that the Ukrainian people did not ask to be invaded, and they were. And there are millions of people that have been um, exiled, and they have gone to other places. Their lives are turned upside down. Their cities are being destroyed. And it's by an invasion from a foreign military, which is something the rest of the world shouldn't tolerate. And in this case, when this happening, when they did it on their own, this isn't this isn't a coalition of like when we went after Saddam Hussein, this isn't a coalition of nations that are saying this has to stop. This is one nation trying to overtake the other. And, you know, the the update on this and the the involvement of people from Arizona, whether it's private industry or our government donating goods and, and things that will help them in their fight. As a nation, I'm hoping that we do more. Another half a billion dollars was committed by the Biden administration the other day. I think our total investment now is two and a half billion dollars in aiding Ukraine. And let's see how far this goes, because the end of this is what everybody is looking for. Peace in the region. But what does that peace look like? What happens when this is over? What settlement is reached? It's a great question. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, we're we're going to let you hear from the vice president of the United States. Uh, She was speaking um, about the about Poland and she's been speaking also about Jamaica in most recently. I want you to hear what she had to say about Jamaica um, and you'll see why the poll numbers are not what they want them to be. We'll do it next. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, it's simple to do. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast is available for you right now to download. It's simple. Never miss a minute of the show again. And the podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash by going to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. 
So we are now I want you to hear a couple of things. I think this is important. Um, Well, because first of all, because it's funny, but it shouldn't be. But the other part of it is how much faith do the American people have in the administration? The world looks to us. There's no doubt about it. And it's a elections are very serious things. The vice president of the United States is now has a track record of word salad. And that's the nicest way of putting it, of saying things, but not saying anything at the same time. So she was with uh, with the people of Jamaica and talking about helping the Jamaican people when it comes to COVID and relief and and see if you can make sense of this. We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at that, but that what in the world did she just say? Can somebody tell me what she just said? And this is consistent. I mean, this is consistent. Um, March 21st, okay? March 21st, talking about the passage of time. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. I'm just the reason why this is important, and it's not just to have a laugh at the expense of the vice president, but the vice president of the United States has been sent around the world to represent us. What she did in Poland, I thought, was an embarrassment. And it isn't just a party lines thing. When you are standing with the leader of Poland and you are talking about the seriousness of Ukraine and you are asked about this seriousness and you crack a joke that A, wasn't funny and B, completely at an inappropriate time, people lose faith in the fact that you are being you are behaving in a way that isn't up to the standard of the office that you hold. If you don't remember this, I want you to hear it again. This is what she said when she was with the Polish president and into the questioning. President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. (laughs) A friend in need is a friend indeed. Okay, so I'm almost speechless. And yet this is the vice president that was put in charge of fixing the border problem, which there hasn't been any changes that I know of. The people in this country uh, and there are many people that voted for Joe Biden, and I hear from them a lot that are questioning that vote and are saying, I wish I hadn't done that. What we have in the midterm elections is a possibility to change the direction of things based on the fact that the president will then have to work with a different Congress that has a different set of of, um, priorities. 
But that's only a part of this. Understanding, I think, the older I get, the more I understand that who you elect to an office isn't necessarily, isn't only about a popularity contest. And unfortunately, what it turns into is a popularity contest. And when you cast a vote, how seriously are you taking the fact, or taking who you're voting for and what they might do? The President of the United States is fulfilling his promises. There's no doubt about that. His promises on climate change, he's doing the things that he said he wanted to do. They haven't been able to pass the Biden tax plan, uh, but they're working on it. They're going to try to get it done in this session of Congress, which again shows you they are up against the wall on this. They realize the handwriting is on the wall. They can talk about uh, Democrats holding on to the House and Senate, but the chances of them doing that are getting smaller and smaller every day. So if they are going to move their agenda forward, it must be now. So in the midst of the inflation that we're seeing and the cost increases to individuals, to families, and to businesses across this country and the cost of fuel and the cost of food and the cost of wages and the cost of everything else, if you are going to start taxing corporations and raise their corporate tax rate, if you're going to raise the individual tax rate on what you call the wealthy in this country, you are going to drag this economy down. But doing it at a time when everything is so much more expensive and almost unmanageable for some people, it, the timing couldn't be worse. So what do they do? And what they do is they tell you everything is still great. And I will I tell you the good things that I know that are there. I mean, I don't have to tell people that jobs are available. People are making more money than they've made for a long time. Unemployment is is at a record low. All of these things are incredibly good things for the American economy. They are great things. But there is no denying that they're being overshadowed by the inflation that is crushing those very same American families. So you're got to raise. You're making more money and you still can't pay your bills at the end of the month. What good is that? You can put as many zeros on my paycheck as you want, but if I can't afford the necessities because you're adding even more zeros to the cost of the goods and services that I use, then the raises mean nothing. And what we've seen are kind of flyover solutions to problems. The border issue was one of them, where the vice president went to the border one time, which was the prediction. Go one time, Go to El Paso, where it's a secure border point. You can do a photo op. You can give half a speech, and then you're gone, and we never hear about it or see about it again. But you've checked the box. You've been to the border. You can go to the port of L.A. as the president of the United States. You can tell everybody, we're going to get this thing open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're going to cure the problem. And then you can fly away and not address the problem. That doesn't mean that the problem is fixed. Experts are now saying that what's happened in what or what's happening um, right now is that we are watching the price of oil is going to go up in the future because of the decisions that are being made right now, that the president of the United States right now is going to unleash oil to the tune of a million barrels per day for quite a while. And what that is happening, what's happening with that is the projections for the cost of a barrel of oil for next year have gone up to one hundred and fifteen dollars a barrel. So this oil is going to have to be purchased back at some point. So it, it doesn't seem to the American people that are paying attention, to the American people that are looking at things either through an apolitical eye or through a rational eye, they don't believe that this president is solving problems. And that's where the problem is. When you have a vice president that makes the gaffes that she continues to make on the international stage, Jamaica, Poland, it, it's embarrassing. 
And if you look at poll numbers and as unpopular, as unpopular as Donald Trump was when he was when he lost the election, if you looked at his poll numbers and where they were, he beats Biden and he he beats he beats Harris head to head by double digits right now. That's and I don't think that's a testament to the popularity of Donald Trump, but the unpopularity of what we got in return. And that's something I think both parties need to look at. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about violence against police officers on the rise. What happened in Pinal County and who did it? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Wednesday night, a Pinal County Sheriff's deputy was shot and unfortunately is going to be okay. I want you to hear just a couple of seconds of this. This is from a Fox 10 report here in town about the shooting on Wednesday. The Pinal County Sheriff's Office said he had an active warrant on a drug case and has a history of uh, prison time from burglary to weapons offenses and aggravated assault. 39 years old, he's said to be affiliated with a group known as the Aryan Brotherhood. He's accused of shooting the deputy who was responding to a trespassing call on Wednesday night. So fortunately, the uh, the deputy is going to survive, is going to be okay. I want you to hear a little bit from the sheriff of Pinal County. That's This is, this is Mark Lamb and comments he made uh, during a video, a social media video, and a report about this officer's condition. This behavior is unacceptable. We can no longer tolerate this aggressive and violent behavior towards our law enforcement uh, across this country. It is unacceptable, and we can no longer undermine the rule of law. I will tell you, we will not tolerate that here in Pinal County. I will not tolerate this behavior, this BS towards our deputies, and we will hold you accountable to the fullest extent of the law here in Pinal County. And we are starting to see the tide is turning. Now, it has turned. It is, well, I, I don't think it ever changed in community support for law enforcement. But I do believe we are starting to see, because of elections and otherwise, I do think we are starting to see, because of results, that city councils and county boards and other you know, uh, um, elected bodies are starting to look at the defund the police movement and realizing that it doesn't hold water with the with the public. They don't agree with it. So when people make decisions you don't agree with at the legislative level, most people, you disagree with it, you move on, you may vote for somebody else, but it doesn't create activists. And there's a difference. There's a lot that I disagree with, and I vote accordingly. Um, I will encourage other people to vote accordingly when I'm asked to speak in public or whatever else. Being an activist means this has really gotten to me, and now I think it's time for me to stand up and do and say something about it. Um, for me, there was an education bill that I really believe in that's made its way through the legislature, and I believe it's going to be signed into law soon. Um, I think it's going to pass and be signed. And it, it, what it did was it was something that I thought was so important for the future of education in Arizona that I wanted to get on board. And I actually went down and made a request to speak in front of the um, education committee at the House in the state legislature. That's really been my first foray into activism in that way. But this is turning people into activists because we're watching our neighborhoods and our towns deteriorate. I – I fell in love with Arizona in 1992, and I didn't have an opportunity to move here until 1995. 
But I jumped at the chance to move to Arizona because I fell in love with it when I came here. But I had no idea long term how much I was going to love the people and love this valley so much. I grew up near some very big cities. I'm between um, in mileage. I'm between Tampa and Miami where I grew up. I didn't grow up in a large town. But watching this town, which was the country's most livable city, I believe it was called when I moved here, and what what has happened recently, especially where it is accelerating and becoming unsafe – The police are overwhelmed. They are understaffed. They are overworked. They are definitely underappreciated by city management. And it is taking a toll on the morale of the officers. It is taking a toll on the city itself. But you can see this in other places. When good people aren't there to stand up, bad people win. And we have a, we are a civilized society. We don't take the law into our own hands. We don't reach for a gun. We reach for 911 if you can do that first and protect yourself. We as a society have said we are going to have laws and we are going to have law enforcement. Well, if we don't support the men and women who are community members just like us, they are men and women that have children, they have spouses, they have people that they love, they have a family, they have a home life, and they want to be safe like you do. If we don't support them in the efforts of protecting our our towns, protecting our neighborhoods, then they're not going to do it. And we're going to be left to fend for ourselves. And when you see more and more incidences of this happening, when you see more and more cops being shot at, if you will shoot at a police officer, you will shoot anyone. And if we don't do something to, A, retain good officers, and I think there are a couple of things that are out there that are really good ideas in doing that, but part of that retention process is respect from the people they work for, not just the citizens, but from the people they work for. I, you know, I've been around with a bunch of Phoenix cops going to lunch and hanging out, and I don't think I've been with the PD once where there hasn't been someone, children usually, but someone that walks up and wants to meet them and thank them for what they do. And I know that that means the world to law enforcement officers. But if you're not going to get that same level of support, when you're a good cop from the cities you work in, you'll go find either a different career or a different city to do that job in and i love my city i i love this valley and i want us to be safe and the one way we do that is to make sure the people that protect us are protected by us and someone needs to be motivated to a bit or some of us need to be motivated into a bit of activism here to make sure that our cities and the places where we live are safe That doesn't mean we condone bad behavior by anyone, especially by law enforcement. But what it means is we know that the vast majority of these law enforcement officers are good people doing a hard job, and it takes a toll on them, and we should support them and make sure the cities they work for support them as well. What we're going to do just after 11 o'clock is talk about the economy. We're going to talk about the rate of inflation and what could be coming. What are they saying? The word recession is being thrown around. How bad is it for individual families? And what can we do here in Arizona to make things a little bit easier? Solutions along with the problems. We'll talk about them next.